0: Welcome, adventurers and knowledge seekers. We are your guides, Goose and Ash. Hello. Take a map and a torch, but whatever you do, please do not feed the gelatinous cube as we enter the, the Crypt, of, Crypt of, knowledge. of Knowledge. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Crypt of Knowledge. I am your host, Goose, and I have with me again, Blake. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you? I am doing fairly well. It's uh, It's been a good day. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. It's a big topic. Yes, it is. So we're just going to dive straight in. Not much to really say. Uh, it is October. Everybody's getting into the spooky season, so we got some stuff on that coming up. But tonight, we are going to look at the second release of the new... UA unearthed, unearthed arcana, it's hard to say sometimes. <laughs> the new unearthed arcana for 1D&D. So exciting they're giving stuff. us very exciting stuff. They're giving us a little peek into classes this time, right?
1: Uh yeah, from from the looks of it it would appear so. Lots of lots of changes.
0: Lots of changes, even changing stuff from just a month ago to kind of go back and be how it was so they've taken those critical roles the the rules on those and reverted them back to the original 2014 rules out of the original player handbook and dmg the only exception with that is that you can get inspiration now from rolling a one not real sure i like that one
1: now because the the last unearthed arcana had it giving you inspiration on a 20, right?
0: Right. Which feels good. You did something
1: great. That that makes sense. Yeah.
0: But now we're failing up, I suppose, as they say. (laughs) (laughs) You you just did so horribly bad that you feel inspired that you can't be that bad next time, I guess. Next time, I'll get them for sure. Exactly. That's the (laughs) mentality. So I'm not a fan of it. I mean... We saw how quickly it can change from just a month ago, so I don't know that I'm worried about it necessarily. But it's an interesting choice for them to try the complete 180 and flip it the other way around. But, you know, I I was behind the get inspiration from a 20. I don't think I'm behind it this time around.
1: Yeah, I can't say that this feels like a good change. You know, I think if you're going to give us inspiration for a a crit, then 20 feels good. But a 1... I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan.
0: Yeah, it it is weird. Again, that's why they play tested. I guess they'll see the feedback. They haven't received much feedback yet. Well, they've received a bunch. We'll put it that way. They haven't reviewed their feedback yet, as it just closed, and now they're going to take a look at it, and then they're supposed to let us know what kind of feedback they got, and then go back and readjust the first unearthed Arcana, and re-release it to see with all the new changes they've put in it. So that'll be interesting when it comes around.
1: Yeah, it's going to be quite
0: the process. It will. And, you know, we have a year and a half left on this, so I, no rush. Plenty of time to look through things. No,
1: of course. Of course.
0: So another thing is we're going through classes. They have mentioned also there will be a total of 48 subclasses eventually being made available. Now, as we go through them tonight, there's only one subclass for each class, and they've only done three classes to start. So it's a little bare... But when you take a look at the breadth of it now, between all the different books, there's 116 different subclasses, which kind of shocked me.
1: Yeah, I couldn't believe that.
0: So I guess 48's not terribly bad.
1: (laughs) No, I guess it's starting small, technically. Yeah,
0: you know, growing kind of like they did with all the different books that they've added. But I would imagine, as these first three subclasses are, that all 48 are probably going to be reworks, or do you think they're going to throw in one or two new ones on us?
1: I would say that we could probably expect a couple new ones, but for the most part, I would imagine they would just be reworks, just changing and fiddling with a couple things here and there, just based on looking what they've changed already just in this Unearthed Arcana, I would guess probably just reworking what's already there for the most part. But I would say we could probably still expect a couple surprises.
0: Yeah, from everything they've said in both videos now, anything from Tasha's Cauldron forward seems to have been already in their mind frame for 1D&D. So as they released that book and onward, everything was already planned out. It's because they've said you can go back and use everything from Tasha's Cauldron in what they're doing now. So I I guess that they're going to take some of those subclasses from those books that came out after that and probably not rework them right away. But I would hope that they would give us at least a few new ones to play with. It'd be nice.
1: I would say they probably would. But stuff that came basic or standard with the 2014 release of the Player's Handbook, I would say that stuff is definitely due for a change of some kind.
0: Yeah, and as we get into it here in a minute, you'll you'll hear us talk about how different they really are. They have made some major changes. And then we'll guesstimate how we think they're good or bad because <laughs> this <laughs> we'll give our our viewpoint on it our perspective yeah there's some interesting choices they've made I I'm, I'm, I'm not sure i understand all of them but again it's supposed to be based on feedback they've received over the years so we'll we'll take that to heart as we look through it and i guess just
1: based on the way that they've changed the the critical rules maybe they're just giving us a spectrum of things to decide upon like Let's try one end of the, you know, this, and try the other end, and see how people feel about it. Yeah, even if it wasn't something we
0: asked for. (laughs) Maybe, maybe that's the truth. We throw (laughs) some spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks, as they say. That sounds about right. I just from looking at this. Yeah, it's it's kind of all over the place, and we I had the lovely guest Trevor from uh, Row for Intent last week on, and you know it kind of is fitting. He runs a Pathfinder Second Edition Actual Play podcast. Uh, and if you didn't listen to that, go back and listen. That was a wonderful interview with him. He had a lot of good insight. Please do. Yeah. NPC- we had a great time. Yeah. NPCs, and just about their, their podcast in general, good stuff. But we we mentioned on there as well about how 1D&D has a lot of Pathfinder 2E influence in it. Uh, almost to the point, and it, it was brought up very quickly by the D&D fan base <laughs> how how similar <laughs> some of the new changes are to what's in Pathfinder. So, you know... I, how much is influenced by other systems? How much is influenced by fans and what they want? That I don't know. But it's it's changing, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. And I mean, if people like that sort of stuff, and as long as they're keeping it in the true D&D fashion, then I guess I don't see the problem with it.
0: Yeah, and as we always say, your table, your rules. If you don't want to switch, don't switch. The people that still play second edition, first edition, I mean, they're still going at it and happy with no changes, so... Uh, you know, again, the rules are a base to work around. Make them fit your table.
1: Yeah, I mean, whatever works for you, it's all valid.
0: There you go. So talking about these classes, we'll jump into that first before any real rule changes or anything. They have, once again, like last time, where they grouped spells into subgroups, they have now grouped your classes into subgroups. This unearth. Man, I'm just never going to say it. It doesn't work. You Arcana. I'm just going to call it UA. It's easier. There you go. <laughs> the, the, the last UA had, had the spells. This one is going with groups of classes, and they're calling this one the Experts. Sounds fancy, right? It does. It sure does. <laughs> and they're calling it that because all of these classes get the Expertise feat, in all of their abilities. So it breaks down to be the Bard, the Ranger, and the Rogue. And they have mentioned in the video that the Artificer will soon be thrown into that, but is not in this UA for some reason, and I don't know what that reason is.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure either. And from what I understand, one of these expert classes didn't have expertise before this?
0: Yes, the Ranger did not have expertise before. So this is... New for them to be able to get expertise in there. And uh, as you'll see, as we go through, the Ranger has taken an evolution. Good or bad, it's always been the class that people are like, oh, the Ranger sucks, it's no fun to play. <laughs> so it looks like they're taking a deep dive to try to fix it, and hopefully they will. I've, I've got to
1: say that I you know, my first class was a Ranger, and I haven't played one since then, if that tells you anything they're just better options depending
0: on the
1: group composition or what feels fun and and they're looking fun again
0: yeah 2014 out of the box ranger was a crap show just 100% it was not balanced there were lots of issues the subclasses weren't that fun they have developed over the years and i think there are a ton of good subclasses out there for now that that change the way it plays whether it's the ones directly from the book or even a lot of the the homebrew stuff that's out there there's some really good homebrew subclasses if you've not looked through D&D beyond and a bunch of places like that yet
1: well, i can only imagine
0: so we'll get into a, a little bit of that but yeah they're they're getting expertise now that's that's a new thing for them so again that's why they're all called experts they get expertise uh the UAs that are coming up will feature the other ones, the other groups of classes. Uh, so you will have the mages, which, of course, are the sorcerer, the warlock, and the wizard. The priests will be the clerics, paladins, and druids. And the warriors, finally, will be the barbarians, fighters, and the monks. And they're grouping them together for the same reason they group together spells. So it's easier for them in the future when they bring new things out. They'll be like, these feats... Are only available to the warrior group, or these feats are only available to the mages group. So it's it's really a lot of these changes that they're doing are just uh, clearing things up for future releases. It's it's not a lot of changes now, but it's it's a lot of fixing things for maybe future releases.
1: Yeah, that sounds about right. I guess because I heard him, I heard him mention that it was it, even things like uh, like magic items. You know, like stuff comes out later on. Well, oh, this is only usable by X and Y subgroup.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it it's semantics. It's separating things. It's 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 something, I suppose. But it's it's not a lot of fun for the players. It doesn't mean anything for you. It's, as far as what the players are looking at doing. So, so we'll see. It, it's uh, there are useful things in here, but those subclasses really subgroups really mean nothing as far, as far as what the play does. But 20th level class features have all now been moved to level 18 to allow for epic boons at level 20. And that's a hit or miss for me. We'll get to boons later on. That's a hit or miss for me. But moving your level 20 class features to 18 is, is interesting. They have moved a lot of things around as far as what level you get it. And that'll be a major theme as we go through the different classes. They might still have a similar skill, or the same skill, but it's probably moved to a different level when you obtain it now.
1: Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of that, and I guess that goes back to that maybe most PCs, most campaigns don't really make it that far?
0: It's possible. Level-wise? Yeah, it's possible, because a lot of the things did get moved up. A few got moved back, which was weird, especially for the Rogue, for me, moving stuff back was different, but... Yeah, I, I think it may be some just rebalancing in their minds, what they're what they're trying to do, and give you a little bit more of a, a, a power jump in the earlier levels, like you said. That could be it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that
0: feels warranted to a certain degree. I agree. There's nothing wrong with making heroes feel more heroic, right? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> we love that power fantasy. Oh, absolutely. That's why we play <laughs> It's not real life. We want the power. (laughs) Uh, They did mention one more thing in the video before we dive into the class. There is a new system for creating a home base for your characters that they mentioned. That will be coming up later, UA testing as well. So that brings in a lot of cool features. I know there are supplements and non-canon books out there that allow you to build castles and have followers and all those other things, but they're going to put out an actual system that allows you to build a home base. So That could be interesting. We've toyed with this stuff in our homebrew campaigns. So it'd be interesting to see how closely their ideas match up with things that we did.
1: Yeah, I agree. Because I am a huge fan of our our base building campaign. So if they can come anywhere close to that, I think they'll have a winner on their hands.
0: You know, it's a huge genre now. And video games and everything else are those survival games, right? Where you have to live on your own in whatever environment. I know Grounded just came out for the Xbox recently. So it's like, honey, I shrunk the kids. You're out there chopping down weeds to build a little hut to live in. And, I mean, it's kind of, we enjoy those type of things. We want to live off the land, and we want to translate that to our RP as well.
1: Yeah, we want to create things and live in those things that we create, really be surrounded by them. And I think that's interesting. I think it's got a place here.
0: Yeah, most definitely. I mean, there are non-canon books out there that already do it. Uh, you You know, so have it officially done, it'll be interesting. And I wonder how much they have... Worked with those writers who did that that kind of work. Matt Koval had a, a wonderful book, Strongholds and Followers, or something like that. I believe I don't know the name off the top of my head, but it was a, a wonderfully done book. And so I wonder how much they worked with him or other creators to, to get it right. Now I'll be excited to see. So let's jump in then. Let's talk about the good old bard first, the, the man with the plan, the instrument in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> Our favorite song sword. Our favorite song sword, yes, absolutely. So they have so they have done some some interesting things with starting equipment, I guess. They have taken your choice away. And this comes down to what they've said all along, is making the game simpler and making it easier to get started at your level 1 character.
1: And I think that's fine, to a certain degree. I don't think it's particularly difficult but I'm starting a fresh campaign in two weeks with four people who have never played including a a DM who has never played and boy let me tell you (laughs) no they're great it's just it's a lot for first-time players it's a lot of options you know it's funny to see what people cling to when they're creating a character for the first time you know what really sticks out to them as the major decisions to be made I think that's interesting. So maybe if we can simplify that a little bit. That's okay.
0: I can see that. There there are a lot of options and a lot of choices. It helps tons when you use sites like D&D Beyond because it helps you automate and work your way through it. But if you're making one cuz we you know, we get spoiled by technology and I went back recently with this Unearthed Arcana and tried to create characters using all of it without using D&D Beyond, and it takes a while. You, you got to—we're spoiled, aren't we? We're <laughs> <laughs> <You're> really spoiled. <laughs> so yeah, digging through—I can see that. But for me, things like choosing between an Entertainer's Pack or a Diplomat Pack was not something that was a major option that was going to take you forever and and give you anxiety to try to choose from. And in my mind, it wasn't. But I guess for some people, it could be.
1: Yeah, I could, I could see that, you know, it's trying to figure out what, what is contained within each, even, you know, even it we doing it through D&D Beyond, it's, it gives you a couple options without you really knowing what is contained in those things. It's like, do I want a Dungeoneer's pack or a, you know, an Adventurer's pack? I'm not sure exactly what the two choices are, but <laughs> my point stands. It's, it's like, well, I, I don't know, I guess, unless you were, it's something like, like with a rogue. Or, or something along those lines that has something really specific is one of those options that you know is going to be stuff you use uh, regardless of where you're going or what you're doing. Then you know, but but making it simpler.
0: Yeah, you know, most of the starting pack equipments are worthless. They never get used. You've got torches. You've got bat backpack or bed rolls. You know, diplomats come with diplomat clothes, versus you know entertainers come with you know different types of uh, instruments and various things in there. So I mean, they're really. I guess they're useful in some instances, mostly RP instances, but they're not critical to your character. So again, they weren't critical choices. But I, again, like we've said now a dozen times, taking some choice out and making simpler is not a bad thing. So, so that's what they're doing here. So in, in every one of these new reworks of the classes, they have taken all the options out. This is it. Just basically says this is what you get now going forward you don't get to choose as your starting equipment and stuff like that so again not a big deal but that's a small change
1: now and they've supplemented some of that uh, like in the previous ua with the things that you get from your backgrounds now right true
0: yes you can get some additional things from your background that you did before It's again nothing that you're going to be missing none of the options are going to make or break your character so i think it's perfectly fine and yes some of the smaller items you can get from your backgrounds now so Again, it's all coming together, and when they get every UA out and they stitch it all together into a book, we hope it's seamless. (laughs) (laughs) That's (laughs) the hope. I'm I'm sure it'll be fantastic. (laughs) Yes, every product that they've ever released has been perfect. I have no (laughs) doubts. So a big change that they have done now, and this helps out a lot, and I never understood it. There was no bladed weapon, really, besides a dagger in simple weapons. They have fixed that now by moving the short sword to be considered a simple weapon. So I'm actually thankful for that one. Not a big change, but it is a big change.
1: Yeah, I think it is for those of us who are... I say those of us. I've never noticed that that was an issue, but clearly it's something that, that you felt was fairly important. But I mean, I, I understand what you mean. It's like later on when we get to the difference in light weapons. Now, I it's it can make a difference for those who it, it really don't, really matters to.
0: Yeah, I guess for me it was just a matter of realism. Simple weapons are things you're supposed to be able to just pick up with no knowledge and be able to use. I am fairly confident that 80 to 90% of people could pick up a small sword that's not heavy and be halfway decent at using it. I agree. So it I agree. It feels like if you're going to be able to pick up a club and know how to use it, you can pick up a small sword and understand how to use it. So I think that's why it makes sense to me that they've got them put together now in that instance. So it it changes a little bit of the dynamics, again, on what you're getting at your start as a bard. You can no longer choose a longsword or a rapier. Those are taken out. You can only use the simple weapons, uh, things like that. So uh, short short sword does fall into simple weapons now. So at least you can still have that as a bard. Feels bad to not have a rapier as a bard, but (laughs) short swords are okay. The the things we got used to.
1: Right. It's a little different. It is a little different. It doesn't feel, I guess in my head, I I sort of like I pictured that, but... But, no, this is good. We'll see how it develops moving forward.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting to me as well. The classes now start you with a certain amount of gold. So a bard starts with 18 gold. When I thought a lot of the past, you know, it depended on your background and what you did as to how much gold you got. So that's an interesting little change that I saw in there as well.
1: That is interesting because I know that you can sort of choose at at what level – where in society your your character sort of fits and What was the max you could get from that if you were, like, aristocratic oh, or I'm not sure what the last choice was? I don't was. remember. I
0: know you could get 30-some-odd gold or maybe a little more. It was still wasn't a okay. ton, I don't think. But, yeah, and you can still, in the last UA, you could still pick a level of starting gold. So I suppose that gets added on to your gold that you get it to be as a bard. Uh, maybe that's mm-hmm. your toss your coin to a witcher fund.
1: Uh, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're performers. I mean they they better be making money, or
0: exactly. So what kind of bard are you? Exactly. Uh, but little again, these are all little things. Nothing major, life changing so far. But they are small changes. One of the other ones that is a bigger change was bardic inspiration, it allows you to give inspiration like you did before, or you can use your bardic inspiration to heal someone within sixty feet as a reaction. So if your character is there, and I'm close by, and I see you get hit, I can use my reaction to roll my 1d6 or whatever my bardic inspiration has gone to at my level, and return that many hit points to you. Again, small change, I guess, but definitely, definitely seems that a lot of the changes coming up for the bard are around getting them to be more efficient healers.
1: That would seem to be the case, because obviously they're a a well-established support class. It's it's what a bard does. But moving them in the direction of being more consistent healers, I guess I don't don't see a problem with that so much. I think that the way they've done it here with Bardic Inspiration really allows for their healing per round. That can sort of really pump it up.
0: It can. And again, it's small, especially at lower levels, 1d6. If it goes up, it gets 1d12 eventually. Um, It's a small amount, but it can be the difference between life and death in a battle. Absolutely, It may be a better use than giving someone a chance to re-roll something with the the inspiration. So, yeah, I I see the options there, and it's not one or the other. So, they didn't strictly make you be a healer, but they are definitely leaning. They've always been jacks of all trades, but they are leaning them definitely into being a healing class. So, interesting stuff there. Uh, This is the first time, too, with this class we see them using the new spell grouping list. So, the bards are limited to arcane spells now. So that list that is made up uh, of all the arcane spell lists, it can only use divination, enchantment, illusion, or transmutation schools. I'm trying to think, they had almost every spell available Bards did before. So I think, really? yeah, I think this is going to limit them a little bit. I don't know for 100% sure, but I am almost positive their spell list was a little bigger than that, but could be could be a little different going forward.
1: Well, in that same vein of things being different going forward, now you can replace prepared spells during long rests.
0: Yeah. This seems to be something they're looking at doing. Every class now can choose what spells they have every day, which was... A big difference in some of the classes before. You know, you, you, you got your spells, and that's what you got. But now, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it looks like this. The Ranger, I think, is the same way now. So you can choose what spells you use every day. And that can make a big difference. You know, you can yeah. prepare yourself for what you think you're going to fight for that day.
1: That's a, that's a welcome addition, as far as I'm concerned. And I play a druid, so I don't know that struggle. Well, no, that's true. <laughs> However... <laughs> But, but for, for classes that didn't already have that, it, I, I always think it's funny when the wizard, he's like, nope, this is what I've got, man. I'm like, oof, I don't know. It couldn't be me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is great, for especially for classes that, I guess, bards did, like you said, they came with a lot of spells. I haven't played a bard. Mm-hmm. But rangers, they don't have a ton of options, necessarily. Mm-mm. So now, to give them that ability to just, you know, going into the day, they can... They can choose what they've got. I think that's great.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think, I haven't played many rangers, and, and oddly enough, we've had rangers in a lot of our campaigns, but I haven't played rangers, and I think rangers before could actually choose every day what they were doing anyway. I think they had the ability to, I could be wrong there. It could have been like the bard where every level they were allowed to swap out spells when they gained a level. Ah, I'm not 100% okay. sure. Yeah, rangers, we neglect them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, second edition was my last brush with one. <laughs> yeah. But that is a neat new feature. so I, I would expect a lot of builds being built around that. But going into all their other features, a lot of the stuff just gets kind of moved around. Expertise was moved to second level instead of third. Jack of all trades was moved to second instead or moved from second to fifth level. So you got to wait a little while before you can get to use Jack of all trades. And bards have become better healers now with their song of rest being changed to Songs of Restoration at second level. So it gives you uh, various songs at the different levels that are always prepared and do not count against the number that you have prepared each day. So second level you get Healing Word, fourth level is Lesser Restoration, sixth level is Mass Healing Word, eighth is Freedom of Movement, and tenth is Greater Restoration. So again, dumping a lot of that healing ability onto these guys. I think that's a good thing. You know, we've
1: had a couple times where my druid doesn't heal very, very <laughs> rarely. In super Troop. dire situations do I heal. Ari was a cleric that didn't really heal so much. So let's say you've got a class that's comprised of mostly non-healing characters, but you've got a bard. Now they fill that slot almost innately without really having to base their character around it.
0: Yeah, they're not going to lose their other abilities because they want to heal. Because these are always prepared and they don't count against their spells that are prepared lists. So, again, yeah, it, it gives you a class. I mean, we'll see what happens with the clerics and paladins when they come out. But this gives you a class, like you said, with that innate ability to heal. But still have the firepower to cast whatever spells they need to do damage. Because we, we all know, especially based from our campaigns... That offense is the best defense. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Unequivocally. Yeah, you know, if you kill them all before they get a chance to to hurt you, you don't need a high AC. No, I just need the the largest diameter
1: AOE spell I've got, and we're good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So at, at fourth level is where you get your first ability score increases normally. So this has changed now to what they call an ability score improvement feat. Very interesting
1: concept. I like this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so all it is is you get the same choices you had before. You get to choose a feat based on your current level, which we're going to go over a lot of fourth-level feats toward the end of this. Or you can, again, do your ability score increases. You get two points. You can put them both in the same or one in two different ones. So nothing really changes there as far as what it is other than the name, and then kind of a little bit of when you get them. So you get these now at 4th, 8th, 12th, 16th, and 19th level. So you get all those opportunities. Uh, Again, I think maybe 19th is the weird one they're throwing in there now where you get that that extra ability to increase your scores.
1: Yeah, I guess maybe I'm skipping ahead, but it's a thing now because where they moved the Epic Boons to 20th and moved your 20th your 20th level upgrade is now 18 Mm -hmm. that once you get to 20 once you reach certain xp thresholds you'll be able to accrue more feats or boons in that way Mm -hmm. so it sort of gives you that feeling of progression past 20 even
0: yeah so and before in different in different versions they've had the ability to go up past 20 up to 25 or 30 even they've had those epic levels or the i don't remember what they call them champion levels or or something like that that you could go into uh, after you reach level 20 if you wanted to carry that on into the godlike area of your career but yeah to just say okay now you can sit at 20 but still make your character stronger it's kind of an interesting way to scale it i think so too
1: because i Maybe it's just like the RPG player in me, but like 20 feels like a low end cap. But based on the way that realistically (laughs) campaigns go and, you know, the speed at which they move, 20 is few people ever see level 20.
0: Yeah, unless you start fairly high in a campaign, the odds of you getting that level 20 character are usually pretty low. It's a pretty good threshold to try to get to.
1: It is. It is that our our thirteenth level character is the highest I've ever played.
0: Yeah, and you know thirteen is is a pretty good level. We started that campaign at ten because we kind of wanted that power grind. We wanted to mm-hmm. be in those power levels, and and again, you, I think you guys you know have a lot of different spells, a lot of different tools and abilities and things you can do. That's the sweet spot. I think is between ten and fifteen, really for for good campaigns.
1: Yeah, I agree. We're we're having an absolute blast. <laughs>
0: Uh, so next up for the board is their font of bardic inspiration. This one's moving as well. It's a common theme here Things are moving around. It's going from 5th to 7th and you now get inspiration back If that person rolling their inspiration rolled a one, so if I gave you inspiration and you used it and you rolled a one on it I just I've got it back. I can use it again So I can re-give it to you if I need to or however else so another one of those things where they're making inspiration more user-friendly, more available. It's not something we're going to hoard, because we know if we do bad with it, we can get it right back.
1: <laughs> I think that's good, because before, I guess, it, it felt rare enough anyway to end up with inspiration in some way. So now it's cropping up in a lot more places, and I think that's good. It's It's a nice little tool to keep in your pocket, but not for too long. <laughs> Yeah, you can... That's o- the problem here. You can
0: only have one. You can't have multiple. <laughs> yeah. So, so spend <laughs> exactly. it. exactly. <laughs> Especially if you've got a party full of humans now that get it every morning when they wake up. Spend
1: it. Oh, gosh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> i be holding on to that stuff. And they did mention, too, as well, that they are considering allowing every race to wake up with inspiration. I think we might be taking it a little too far. I mean, I don't... I don't think everyone needs inspiration when they wake up. Do something good to I don't do. know
1: what makes humans so special. <laughs>
0: Nothing. That's why they need it.
1: <laughs> I don't... See, I feel like... All right, we're going to get into something else. I, <laughs> I feel like humans are that class you pick if you want to just be good at anything.
0: It's true. They are the all-around class, uh, but they've, they're the all-around class because they've been given these extra things that other classes don't have because they know they're not the specialists of anything anymore.
1: That's true that that makes sense,
0: <laughs> but yeah, inspiration is good. Let's not get carried away to where you always have inspiration. It kind of breaks the rules at that point, I think, if everyone always has inspiration,
1: yeah, I mean, have they actually played these campaigns? like I rarely feel inspired <laughs> <laughs> downtrodden more like it, I mean
0: it's just because this grim, dark, you know that's okay, yeah, that's fine. There's some happy go lucky <laughs> campaign somewhere, right. <laughs> So, somebody's got to be playing one. You are, right? Yeah, yeah. Let us know if you are. <laughs> Absolutely. Tell us about your rainbows and unicorns in your D&D campaigns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, you get to choose two more expertises at level 9. Uh, this wasn't something that's that, that was done before. You just had expertise once. Now you get a second level expertise. Then you got Magical Secrets has moved to level 11. Nothing really changed in it, though. Just moved 20... Now, they suggest at level 20 what your epic boon should be, but you can choose from any of the epic boons, so they suggest for a bard to take the luck feat, which is not a bad thing to take. You know, anytime you get a chance to re-roll something is, is a good option. It feels suitable for a bard. It makes sense in my head. Yeah, but there are a ton of epic feats, epic boons, and again, we'll go over a few of them t- kind of toward the end, too, but that's... That's the major changes as you're taking a look through the Bard class. Again, all pretty small changes. There's a couple of additions to them better healers, but nothing really that I can say broke them or changed 100% how they play.
1: No, it, there's definitely lots of stuff that you can use to, to change the way you play, but, but the way that they, they go about doing their thing is pretty much the same.
0: Exactly. So every class now has a recommended spell list for every level, That tells you what the best spells are to have memorized that day. You don't have to follow it. It's just uh, wizards going, hey, again, if you're worried and confused and this is all too much for you, just pick these and you'll be fine. Now,
1: I've been playing about 20 years. And I I like this. Because sometimes you just don't know.
0: That's true. So, again, for players who are struggling one don't start out playing a major spellcasting class if you're new to the game just don't do it <laughs> always tell people yeah. not to solid bit of advice yeah i had a recent player of mine want to start out as a sorcerer very first time and i'm like no i just no we're, we're not gonna <laughs> let you do a sorcerer we're gonna do something different they went druid i'm like okay we'll we'll handle druid just not not sorcerer nah, druid's bad enough <laughs> yeah and You don't want to be keeping up with all those points. Mm. I'm telling you. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. no. Uh, So the the spell lists are okay. I don't mind them. The problem I have is once you get used to some of the stuff, you can create some really specific RP-related builds. And you can speak to this because your newest character in our campaign we just started is a very specific RP build. But you can create very specific builds once you get into all the spells and really dig into them and create a theme. These spell lists are not themed. They're just, this is the best options for you. So take them as you will when you're new. But definitely, I recommend everyone reads through the spells, everything that's available to you, and truly understands how they work. There's some people that don't understand how some of these spells work, for one thing, or how to manipulate them in the laws of the game. We have a player that's great at this. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Knowing exactly how to combo everything together and make it work. And he will. He will. Every time. Absolutely, to my chagrin. Uh, <laughs> but yes, so I, I recommend use them as you will, but look into making them work for your character and how they play.
1: Definitely. It can be daunting. It, I, I know that when I started and and even when I picked the game up much later on in life, it, it's, it's a lot to try and to look through that spell list, all those spells, and, and just do I need to memorize all these? No, you don't need to memorize them, but I would become familiar. Yeah. Because that's going to that's gonna help you a lot moving forward.
0: Yeah, don't try to memorize spells. I have been playing 20-something years, and I don't remember a lot of spells because they change here and there, or there's their power levels are different. So as a good DM tip, I always tell all the DMs that I talk to, make your players know their spells. When they say, I cast Fireball... I don't know what it does, but you'd be like, okay, what does Fireball do? And then if you need to look it up, you know, maybe you're using a virtual tabletop like Foundry, and you can just click on it, and it shows up for everybody to read. Or maybe you need that few seconds while the player is stumbling through trying to tell you what it does to look it up in the book to make sure they're telling you the truth. Either way, don't try to memorize spells like that. It's a daunting task that you'll never complete. Nope. Just pop quiz your players. Just.
1: Yep. Yeah. What's that do again? Hmm? Yep. Yeah. That's what I. Ah, that don't sound right.
0: Yep. It's their spell list. They should know how their spells work.
1: That's the way it is. Yep. That's our responsibility as players to know to not force our DM to to remember all of those little spells and all the little categories. That's not fair. Know your spells going
0: into a session. Absolutely. It's my little PSA for the night. <laughs> there you go. The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the subclass that they have chosen to go with for the Bard is the basic simple ones. The very first one that's listed in the 2014 guides It's the College of Lore. So they have made a few changes in here that I think are, are interesting. And I think in all the subclasses, these are where more of the major changes come in than the basic overall structure of the character. So cutting words can't be used to lessen damage anymore. Just ability checks and attack rolls. Used to could be if you had somebody roll damage on you, you could roll your inspiration die and subtract that damage. But not anymore. It's just an ability check. You can make them subtract it from the ability check or from their attack rolls. So still useful. You know, I could make you subtract a 1d6 from your attack roll against somebody. So that's okay. But it's just interesting that they took the damage part out. Yeah, I
1: think that is interesting. Now it's it's more of just a, I hope I can negate that damage completely.
0: Yeah. By turning that into a miss. Hope I can but... make a miss. And that, that's a common theme, too. They don't have a lot of damage mitigation. It's, I hope I can make you miss stuff. They seem pretty
1: good at it, but, you know, this is, <laughs> we'll see how it, how it affects the, the class going forward, but not a huge change.
0: Yeah. So that, again, Cutting Words is third level, right as soon as you take your, your subclass, that's where you get it. Then at sixth, your Cutting Inspiration allows you to roll Inspiration with advantage. So that is a an interesting change in that one as well. But nothing, again, nothing kind of groundbreaking or anything there. And then at level 10, Improved Cutting Words. Now you can do Psychic Damage when you use Cutting Words equal to the die roll plus your charisma modifier so if i make you subtract a five from your attack roll you're also going to take five plus my charisma which i'm hoping is a plus five (laughs) so you you might take 10 points of psychic damage back at you so that's an interesting little uh, reflex reaction move that you can do with the bard now
1: i'm just a huge fan of spells and things that are just you talking trash <laughs> yes, and dealing psychic damage. I'm just a huge fan of that concept.
0: Yes. Psychic damage is one of those off the wall ones that some DMs don't like using, but with a bard, I mean, that's what they do. Whether they're singing it in a song or they're just flat out talking smack to you, <laughs> cutting words is always fun. <laughs> Your mother was a hamster. Exactly.
1: Ooh. ooh. (laughs) That hurt,
0: man. Uh, So overall, some small changes in the bard. It makes them more utility-wise. I don't think it hurts them at all. So I'm okay with all the bard changes. I I don't feel like anything in there was was going to break how we played as bards.
1: No. I think it'll make them more interesting and more well-rounded going forward.
0: Yeah. Agreed. So let's move on. Let's do rangers. That'll be fun, right? Oh, I love Rangers. <laughs> so, again, small changes in the starting stuff. Uh, you start with studded leather instead of scale mail or leather as an option. So, they kind of stuck you in the middle of those two. And you get studded leather. Again, Explorer's Pack and Scimitar instead of having options. Uh, so, interesting choices there. You know, you still get your bow and all the other stuff that comes with it. But those were the, the option things that they just cut down and said, this is what you get. So, now for them, since they're an expert at the first level, now you get. Two skills that you can put expertise into, and then again at ninth level, just like with the bard, you get expertise again, and you can choose two more skills. So they can have four skills overall that have expertise in them, which is pretty good. I think that's great. Giving a ranger expertise is dangerous. It is. And I'm here for it. It is. It does make them better at some of the things they do. They've taken away some of the things they could do, so I think it's, it's a fair trade-off. They can have better skill checks, basically, for some of the things that they're going to try and do because some of the things they could do before kind of automatically aren't there anymore. You have to roll for it, so having the option to have expertise at it it helps.
1: No, that's true. I, it, it's a, it's a thing. We joke about it. How like rangers suck. But
0: <laughs> I've played with some
1: rangers who were pretty pretty fantastic, and usually. Where they show out is their ability checks. So, mm-hmm. I mean, this just helps them even more.
0: Yeah, Rangers have never failed at RP. You know, they have great social skills, great abilities that can keep your party on track for survival and all those other things. They have always been spectacular at that. So, while their combat has been the focus of, hey, it needs to improve a little, yeah, they've never lacked in other areas. So, I'm glad that they're keeping that going.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: This next one is a huge one for me, and I think this is probably the biggest change in everything, is that your favorite enemy now allows you to always have Hunter's Mark prepared, and you don't have to concentrate on it. So Hunter's Mark is no longer concentration.
1: Yeah, I wasn't even aware of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was concentration. Now, most rangers, if they're good rangers, they're staying way back, and they're probably not getting hit much, so they <laughs> don't have to worry about losing their concentration. But, yeah, it was... It was still a concentration thing, and it counted as a prepared spell. So now it's always prepared. doesn't count as a prepared spell. So Hunter's Mark is just almost like an innate ability that they have. I think it should. I think it should be. Agreed. I think that that feels right. Agreed. The one drawback is it does not give you advantage to track or know information about your enemy anymore. So this is one of those things where I was talking about it was almost automatic for your favorite enemy to you to be able to track them specifically and know how things were going. But now, if you just take that expertise you get and you dump it into survival, then your tracking skills for everything are better. So I think it's a fair trade-off there with what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I would say so.
0: Yeah, so uh, rangers cannot use evocation spells, but now they can start casting at level 1 instead of level 2. So their, their spells, what little ones they do have and use... Uh, can start a little bit earlier. And I don't remember... Again, these spell lists are so large. <laughs> and what what rangers could have cast if they could have evocation before or not. I don't think they did. So I don't think it's going to be a huge difference.
1: Yeah, I can't say right off the top of my head. But I do know that they're that they're gaining some things by this that are giving them a little bit more utility right out the gate.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Being able to have some level 1 spells... At level one is definitely going to be good and their cantrips that they'll have so you don't have to maybe pick an elf and hope that some of their innate spell casting abilities hold you over to level two anymore you can just have those right off the bat so i think it's a good move there as well their fighting style moves to second level and can no longer learn dueling anymore but it does say in there that they can use they can gain fighting style feats later on so it, it i think it says If you look through the feats, that all the different fighting styles are for warrior classes only. But it specifically says in there that they're allowed to choose from that as well. So again, the whole point of classing all these groups together was to make it easier so you didn't have to do this. And then straight off in the first Unearthed Arcana, they're going back and they're doing it. They're making you say, yeah, this is for warriors only, but here's an exception. So I don't get it.
1: (laughs) I think... That one specifically for the ranger, uh, and, and I, I assume it'll be for the others, but we'll see going forward. The When you choose a fighting style, it always felt like that was a, 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 cla- or, I'm sorry, a character-defining moment. Sure. Taking that, like, well, this is what I'm going to be from now on. hmm But now you can pick up the others later on. You can continue to collect those. Mm-hmm. And 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 be a, a well-rounded master of all these fighting styles. And I, I'm a huge fan of that.
0: Yeah, fighters could do that before, and that kind of made them unique. You know, they could choose and swap between a defensive and an offensive style and various things like that as they grew their character and they developed. So to have the Ranger be able to do that, when I think a lot of these changes in the way the Ranger plays are pushing them, and we talked about this off-air, they're pushing them to be more of a, a legless elf ranger type instead of a Aragorn type like you mentioned that it's always attacking people in close. They're switching the style of play, but they're also going to give you this option, okay, if you really want to, if you want to go back in and be a, a dual wielder, you can still do that. You can choose that option at a later time. Actually I think you yeah. can choose it at, at level two. Dual wielding is still there. So I mean you can you can play it up and then switch it around as you go as well.
1: Yeah, you absolutely can. And uh, like we we talked about before before we got on here, it's interesting that the ranger sort of gets that and I I understand that range is in the name, <laughs> but they sort of are pulling all that you know, they're towing all that line on this you are here's your bow. You're a ranger. Have have a good time. I think rogues make just as natural archers and and that sort of ranged subclass type type deal, as as rangers do, I think that they fit in that. And maybe this is just my opinion, but they they I think they fit that 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 bill really well. So to sort of shoehorn the ranger into this this more legolas type, I think it worked. because I think a lot of people do play rangers that way. But the archetype of the ranger is my boy Strider, <laughs> and that's just it's not debatable.
0: Yeah, and I, I agreed. I think a lot of people were forced into playing the ranged ranger because that was where you could get the most effectiveness, the most power builds, the, you know, the most min-max ability out of a ranger in 5e was that way. And I don't think it's changing much in this build. There were some good subclasses and uh, some other things that allowed them to do some enclosed work that was pretty good. But I think they're definitely pushing for the long range in this. But we'll see. I mean, it's not a bad thing at all. There's not no. a true ranged class that's not a spellcaster anyway. So I think this helps out.
1: I think I like my rangers with a two-handed sword, so <laughs> I digress. There you
0: go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have taken primeval awareness away. It's not a choice. It wasn't a... I mean, I take this back. Our ranger used it pretty often. Like all the time. Yeah, pretty often. She burned spell slots for this, because you had to use a spell slot. So, how much was it used by the general populace? I don't know. Because you were, you know, just looking for your your bad guys, hanging out around there, all your primal different different beings to see if they were near you. And it wasn't very specific, even, as to what... Even if you knew they were near you, you couldn't really tell where they were or track them specifically. So, it was, it was an interesting ability but it's gone now so i'm not gonna say it's it changes the character but they're gone yeah that's sort of a bummer because i know my druid has something very
1: akin to that i can't remember exactly what it is but he can actually pinpoint their yeah. location
0: his is much more direct <laughs> as to how he can tell where they are and, and be able to track them and everything so yeah but it, it, it's looking
1: for the same the, the same types of enemies. It is. and then it, there's, it was
0: that same group. Yes. And then there's the spell Locate Monster. So, I mean, there, there are other ways to do the exact same thing it was doing. It takes a spell slot anyway. So maybe it's in their spell list that you can do something like that. Locate Monster, various other things. So you can be more specific as you're trying to do it as well.
1: Well, that's interesting. You know, that you could, I could see fitting that in, especially if that was, you know, something you wanted your ranger to do. Then, then you can take that that spell specifically,
0: and use it. Yeah, yeah you know? I, think, I think that'll work just as well. Seventh level gives you a roving, which is new. This increases your movement by 10 feet while not wearing heavy armor and gives you a swim and climb speed. So no longer would your swimming and climbing be half of your normal speed. Your speed would be 40, basically. If you started at 30, you get the plus 10. Your swim and climb speed would, would be 10 so this takes a monk asset really monks were the ones who always got speed increases and gives it to a ranger so it it makes interesting things available like having those two fighting styles okay i'm going to use my ranged and then when i need to i'm going to use my excessive speed to dash and get in close to use my swords so i think this gives you some options
1: definitely so i I think it's i think it's a great thing to any
0: little buffs that I think the ranger
1: deserves. Yeah. yeah,
0: the ranger needed some love, and I think they've gotten into this. Uh, some other things that changed. That takes away land strides. That was, again, favored terrain, moving over it, and not, not taking less in your movement speed. I think is kind of negated, again, by using roving. You're just getting more speed to use everywhere, so I'm okay with it. At 11th level, you get tireless now, which is new. You get... Temporary HP after short and long rests equal to one D8 plus your proficiency, and it decreases your levels of exhaustion after short rests. So no longer do you have to take a long rest to relieve exhaustion. You can do short rest plus get that temp HP. So again, this this almost is buffing them for that in close fighting.
1: Yeah, I I think so. Y- you know when I when I think of a ranger, I think of somebody who's probably got uh, one of the higher levels of stamina within mm-hmm. the party, you know? So I think that's mm-hmm. a good fit.
0: You think about that scene in Lord of the Rings when they're crossing the plains of Rohan and they're just running and they're running and you've got Gim- Gimli back there, can't keep up, but Legolas <laughs> is never tired. He's just going. Yep. So that's that's partly because he's an elf, but uh, th- that fits into this, this build, I think. I think it's a really good addition for them to be able to be the the extra speed in the movement and then the ability to recover quicker. So I think, I think that's a really good deal.
1: No, I I definitely think so. He was trying to keep up with my boy Aragorn. We know. Anybody (laughs) who's seen that knows. He was working on it. (laughs) Fair enough. My boy grew up an elf.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So a couple of things they've taken away that were interesting choices, and this does kind of change the way they played. There is no longer a hide in plain sight or vanish. So those two features have gone... But at thirteen, you get Nature's Veil, which lets you expend a spell slot as a bonus action and become invisible until your next turn. So it's like true invisibility, which was sort of like vanish, uh, but the hide and play in plain sight, where you can take ten minutes and just have the advantage on stealth, was used very often by the rangers that I know.
1: Yeah, I think that that's a, you know, a really useful ability. But this Nature's Veil,
0: you know, don't get much stronger than just. Straight-up invisibility. That's true. It takes a spell slot, so you have to weigh that. But, yes, you can completely become invisible. And the visibility rules have changed, too. We'll talk about that toward the end. The invisibility rules have changed, so it makes it pretty strong.
1: Yeah, I don't see a... I I mean, hide in plain sight, did that cost a spell slot? It did not. Ah, well, then, I mean, a little bit, you know, a little bit more taxing
0: on your resources, but... Hide in plain sight was a preparation skill. You took 10 minutes to do it. So it wasn't something you could use in combat. This is something you can use in combat. You use a spell slot and boom, you vanish. You're gone. So there's a trade-off. Yeah. But its utility becomes much wider. You can use it in much many more circumstances than you could you know, hide in plain sight. I agree. So Feral Senses stays, but it moves uh, from 18 to 15. So you get it sooner. But now it only gives blindsight for 30 feet. It used to allow you to see invisible creatures. And this is a common theme between the couple of classes here that had the ability to see invisible creatures with blindsight. It's gone. The blindsight has been taken out of every class. And I don't know that I like it.
1: I think that's an interesting choice. You know? Uh, What is it about invisible creatures that... I mean, I guess they're invisible, you know? But, I mean, they, they were able to see them for a reason.
0: Yeah, it, you know, there were multiple classes that had the ability later on, as they got more powerful, to be able to see invisible creatures. Now, there are not a ton of invisible, true invisible creatures that are out there. I guess you can run up against your wizards and things who can turn invisible, and you could see those. So it may not play a huge role, and there's still the spell uh, and, and other things and that you can get blindsight from. So there are ways around it. I just find it interesting that they have they have taken the ranger and made them a little less uh, RP support and putting them more into the combat role, which again, not necessarily a bad thing. It just it's different. It feels different.
1: It's definitely an interesting choice. You can tell that that's 100% the way that this is moving. It's making them more compatible with standing combat more often and for longer and being able to do more in those situations. But like you said, it it pulls from their a little bit from their RP ability. And that's just player to
0: player, but but overall the tools you're given to work with are waning a little, a little. It'd be it'd be interesting to see how players use these new abilities and the way they they line up as you go through. So uh, most everything they've taken away, they've tried to replace with something, but some of these just it's replaced with things out of your character's control. It doesn't it's not an inability or something that you just have with you. You have to find that or have a spell to do it. So it's different, but again, it this is a play test. That's what it's there for. We'll try it out and see how it works. You don't like it? Give them your feedback. Let them there know. Absolutely. So the last one really that moves is Foe Slayer. Of course, we've talked about everything. The level 20 is moved, so it moves to 18. Uh, It only allows Hunter's Mark to do 1d10 instead of adding your Wisdom modifier to damage. So it's going to come out one way or the other basically the same. It's probably close to the same math because if you had a 1d6 or whatever your Hunter's Mark was and then you're adding... Your wisdom modifier, which might be a four. So you're you're coming out in the wash almost the same. But I think there's always that something to be said. A one D six plus four is has a higher low end than just rolling a one D ten, right? You're always gonna have at least a five. Yeah. If you're do, adding your, your modifier. Now you can literally roll a one. So it's a little different. Top end is okay, but it's a little different. So those
1: Feels like they're think, lowballing it a little bit.
0: Yeah, I think it got nerfed a little, but it's still roughly the same. Then, of course, the Epic Boon at 20, they suggest the Fortitude feat, which is not a bad one to take. The way that they're building this class now, again, it, again, will give you that endurance and that that ability to continue going longer, lasting longer. So I think that's not a bad feat around their basic build. No, I, I, I think it's a good fit. Yeah all right well let's talk about a subclass and their choice was the hunter subclass again it's the first one that's in the original player's handbook Uh, so when you take a look at it at level three hunter's prey changed it used to have three options it used to have colossal slayer giant killer and horde breaker so they were all three that would do different things the only option now is colossal slayer that's the option you can't choose the other two so you get those effects just the one, and and that's all you get. You you don't have a choice to change anything else. So uh, again, interesting that they're they're taking the choices out of the player's hand, whether to balance it or whether to make it less daunting when you're choosing things. I don't know what it is, but I, I'm not a big fan of that one. Where it said, what did Colossal Slayer do? Colossal Slayer is your tenacity can wear down. The most potent foes. When you hit a creature with a weapon attack, the creature takes an extra 1d8 damage. If it's below its maximum hit points, you can deal this extra damage only once per turn. So that gave you the ability to to do a little extra damage. Before, you could choose Giant Killer, which with a large or larger creature within five feet of you hits or misses you in the attack. You can use your reaction to attack the creature immediately. Or Horde Breaker, once on each of your turns when you make a weapon attack you can make another attack with the same weapon against a different creature that's within five feet of you and within range of your weapon so you just had the ability to to come at creatures differently you know now it is just hyper focused on just doing the extra damage the 1d8 extra damage
1: okay so see i i think that that is sort of a nerf too i, I i'm is. sort of not a huge fan of that because the other two choices i would say unequivocally are better
0: mm-hmm. situational
1: mm-hmm. sure but i'd much rather have have a free you know a free second attack or or attacking on two different targets i would i would much rather
0: have that than just a little bit of extra damage which you could wind up rolling a one on yeah and and again this goes to what type of character you wanted to play before you talked about wanting to play a two-handed sword ranger. You're going to want the Horde Breaker. You're going to want to be in there and be able to attack multiple people at the same time. Absolutely. But they've taken that choice away. So, sorry. Oof. Boo. <laughs> Boo. And again, <laughs> the subclasses I feel are where they made the, the biggest changes and where every one of them got nerfed. Every one of them got nerfed somehow in these. And I I'm not sure why... Because let's let's talk about our boy, the ranger. He was not overpowered. There was nothing about him that was overpowered. Nope. So <laughs> don't get it. But that's what it was. Maybe they'll spread some of these things out into the other subclasses.
1: I mean, because we haven't maybe. seen them yet. Maybe maybe that's where Giant Killer or Horde Breaker will end up.
0: Maybe. There could be a whole subclass around those. And that will be interesting if, it, if that's the choice. And I hope they make it. I hope they make an entire class around that two-handed if you're going to. you know, If you're going to put Hordebreaker in there, make an entire class that makes two-handed worth it. Definitely. Call it Strider. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, at level six, defensive tactics is now gone. And it's replaced by Hunter's Lore, which lets you know the creatures marked by your Hunter's Mark, their weaknesses. So you can find all that. So that kind of almost replaces a little bit of the... The things you got with Hunter's Mark earlier about being able to track and all that kind of stuff. It helps you know their weaknesses. But defense tactics, you got to choose an option of uh, between escape the horde. So opportunity attacks against you are made with disadvantage. Multi-attack defense, when a creature hits you with an attack, you gain a plus 4 AC against that same subsequent attacks from that creature to the end of the round. Or still will. You had advantage on saving throws against being frightened. Yikes. Those were all good things. Oh, all really major good. Ooh. So, we talk about nerfs. Here we go. This is where they. This is where they hit our boy right in the gut. Yeah, they did. Man, didn't leave them much place, much room to stand. Lord, have mercy. No, no. So they're they're gonna have to really rely on. Again, it feels to me in this build overall. Every now and then you you see something sneak in. They're like, oh yeah, I can use my swords here. A lot of this stuff that took all that defense away. So now I don't want to be close to anybody. No, <laughs> not if I'm playing the hunter. Yeah, no. So you know, again, hit or miss. We'll see how they play out. But it's an interesting choice to get rid of all the defensive tactics. Uh, it could be very useful though to know your weaknesses. So I could see that definitely having a having a,
1: a place. You know, it RP yeah. even. You know, like yeah. that's a. Because you, you wind up knowing a lot about, you know, its weaknesses. Yeah, but it's you know everything about that creature.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And there's a spell that does the same thing. So, uh, you know, it saves a spell, spell slot if you've got a ranger in the group and they can just tell you what the weaknesses are. It makes sense because the hunters should know. They've been around. They hunt things. They should know weaknesses. It's what they do. Yeah, absolutely. So it makes sense. Just miss the defense.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's... That's a hard hit for my boy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, at level 10, multi-attack allows you to always know the Conjure Barrage spell and cast it at lower levels instead of knowing Volley and Whirlwind attack. So uh, Conjure Barrage is the third level. allows you to cast it at a lower level. does a little less damage. But basically, it's a large cone of effect that you shoot an arrow up in the air and a whole bunch of them come down and they hit all these people in that cone. It's okay. It's almost like Volley was before. Volley, I think, was a 10-foot area that you could see. And everyone in there, as long as you had enough arrows, you rolled an attack to see if you could hit them. So that's okay. Again, they took away Whirlwind Attack, which was your ability to stand in a circle and spin and hit everything around you. So again, it takes away that I want to play a sword-swinging ranger. I don't like it.
1: I'm, I'm hoping, I, man, I'm hoping that they add that one of these other subclasses that comes down the line is a more melee-focused
0: yeah, it's are going to have to be a melee focused subclass because this is not it.
1: This reminds me of like a like a really bare bones like hunter from World of Warcraft. This is what this feels like.
0: <laughs> That's true. Because That's they true.
1: had a, you know, they had a survival talent tree and like mm-hmm. all of that that was already present in this the the, the 5E ranger is gone.
0: Yeah. It's definitely a nerf. I can say they've done some work, and there's some positives in the base class. The Hunter subclass, though, is—I mean, if you want to be that Ranger of all Rangers, and the, what they say, the rangiest Ranger, this is it. <laughs> this, this is the rangiest Ranger. <laughs> and now, is this the?
1: I could be wrong. Is this not like sort of new? The being
0: able to downcast your spells. Yeah, that is something new that you've not been able to do before. So interesting choice here that that they're allowing you to downcast like that. And I think it's, I mean, rangers are a half, half-level spell casting class anyway. So to force them to cast something at level three is it would it wouldn't be castable hardly. You wouldn't be able to use it very often. So I think for it to be that high up to be a level ten, you know, thing that you get a feat that you get. I think they had to do that. There would be no other way for them to do that because volley was just an attack. It wasn't it didn't even take a uh, it didn't even take a, a spell to do it. Volley was just an attack.
1: oh, no, that makes sense because here at tenth level, yeah, I mean they know yeah, I mean they, they don't
0: know a ton of spells at all
1: i mean, I mean, mm-hmm. how many spell slots do you even have as a tenth level ranger
0: I mean you've got a few uh you know if you take a look back. Let's scroll up real quick. At 10th level, you know, three cantrips, four first levels, three second levels, and two-thirds. But again, if you were to make it a third-level spell in and of itself, and that was only it, it's just not as it's not as useful. It's not a utility spell at that point. It's a very specific spell. Lower casting, it may do less damage, but it still gives you that AoE effect that they need.
1: Yeah, otherwise it's like you're blowing one of your big spells for the day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that's a good good choice that they did that. Then at level 14, Superior Hunter's Defense now allows you to half an attack against you and reflect the other half to a creature within 5 feet of you. So that was that was always kind of part of what they could do. They could, they could half the damage coming into them because before, Superior Hunter's Defense gave you Evasion, Uncanny Dodge, <laughs> and then stand against the tide which was an interesting one where when a hostile creature missed you with a melee attack you could use your reaction to repeat the same attack against another creature so you could if they swung at you and they missed another bad guy standing within five feet you could say oh you got to swing at that guy blah 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 it's an interesting weird kind of thing anyway but i guess it could be useful if you're in a small group again if you're a sword fighter it was useful what a bummer man But a bummer, yeah. So this one is interesting, though. Again, it allows you to take half damage on an attack, so that's okay. And then reflect the other half back to whoever's around you. You can't send it back to the same guy who attacked you, though. So it's another situation where you're going to have to be kind of surrounded to be able to reflect that damage. But
1: But that's interesting. In a subclass where they've really highlighted range, here here (laughs) at level 14, mind you, (laughs) Here's yep. something that just if you happen
0: to find yourself in the heat of battle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here's here's something you can do to help you get out of it. And then use your 40 foot of speed and run. Yeah, get out. <laughs> drop back. Drop Instead back. Instead of just having the things that make our friend the
1: rogue, already so competent. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Interesting choice. Interesting. So that's our boy, the hunter, who got a the biggest rework of have ever done. Some positives, some negatives, some really weird choices, and they're definitely, again, leaning to making you fire that bow. That's what you got. Start crafting <laughs> the marrows, boys. <laughs> so that covers the first two of the experts. We got the bard and the ranger that we've we've taken care of here, and we've already been talking a long time, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, we have, uh, and there's a lot more to cover. <laughs> There's a lot. It's a pretty big one, about double the pages, so we're going to take a break here. And next week we will come back and we will discuss the Rogue and all the changes they made in that, which is one of the ones they didn't change a lot on. And then we'll discuss all the new rules and the changes that they've put in for us to try and see how those work out. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's how they feel about the Rogue. That's true. And it <laughs> I mean, they are kind of broken but not broken. So Depends on how you use them. That's true. We will get into all of that next time on the Crypt of Knowledge. Good night, guys.